0: You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, well, I'm excited this morning, so we can turn the volume down a little bit. Because he ha Fantastic. I got fresh air, mountain air in my lungs this weekend. So how many of us want a new thing from Holy Spirit? How many of us want to see a new in our nation? How many of us want to see a new thing in our schools, in our workplaces, in our place of work, in our families, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our children, in our offspring, in our cousins, on the roads, in the supermarkets? How many of you want to see something new? I do. I'm looking... Slow down, Stu. Press pause. Slow down. There is very little around that I think perfect. Yes. Just stay as you are for the rest of your life, or you can change to Holy Spirit. Just testing there. Yeah. Now you show your age, some of you. <laughs> because I want more, I want better, I want an evolution, I want a, I want a revolution of kingdom, of glory, of health, of healing, of contemplative, of fullness, of it, it's so many areas of, of my life. And we've been just saying, Lord, I, we want more of you. Bring us a new wine. Bring us a victory. And we want all of those things. But as we've just declared, and I'm sure all, most of you sang along, it's in the crushing and in the bruising that God is making new wine. And we say, Father God, I want to be that new one. I want a new wine skin that's going to carries something of the goodness and the greatness of the breakthrough, of the healing, of the restoration, of the majesty of Holy Spirit. But for most of us, then we put our terms and conditions apply. We put a little asterisk. Oh, Lord, in the crushing, thank you so God for Amy, Lord. Let her be in the crushing. Oh, Father God, in the pressing. I know Errol's going through pressing. At least somebody in the church is going through the pressing. So somebody's going through crushing. Somebody's going through the pressing. Somebody's going through the frustrations and the hardships. That at least I can go through the glory. You know, let's just spread the load. You know what I mean? And, I, and the laughter this morning, you know. But Father God, I want so much more than what I'm seeing around us. And I'm convinced that there's so much more comes through relationships, and it comes through friendships, and it comes through doing life, and contending together, and we all laugh until, we, some of us laugh until we all laugh, and some of us, you know, we contend until we all contend, and so I'm carrying on with the series, following Jesus into healing and wholeness, and so this morning's part two of the, of, of the two parts, and this, this morning I want to call it On and Off the Mat Friends, On and Off the Mat Friends. And I've, as I've been saying over the past couple of weeks, I have the sense that God has forming us into a house of healing, of, of body, mind, and spirit. Because surely that's a mandate of every house, of every church. We want to see people healed, whole, and set free. You can't, you can't have a church or a group of friends that are just physically healed, you know. And they're emotionally, spis, emotionally and spiritually in bondage or scarred or frustrated no, we want to be a group of friends. We want to, I want to see people walk into this door. And as they walk the door, we almost have stretchers just to carry them away. Because as they walk through the door, some people, Holy Spirit, just blasts onto them. And they set free. And the reason for that is that as we grow up, nobody escapes being wounded. Everybody is wounded to some degree just by life. And apri and school and work and parenting and childrening and whatever. It's impossible for us to escape physical, emotional, or spiritual pain. But friends, we can find healing in all physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. Luke 15, verse 17. One day while Jesus was teaching some of the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby, as I said last week, it seems that these men shut up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The healing presence and the healing action of God comes upon Jesus. I'm so pleased that Lionel reminded us this morning of our seven-day challenge that when we pray for people on a Sunday, we commit to partner with the prayer that we've prayed. We can't just drop a prayer and go, I'm out of here. You know, if we, if we pray for people, take some personal responsibility for the prayer that you prayed. The, if you prophesy over someone, the responsibility is also yours to carry that prophetic word until it comes to pass. Even if it's to keep on reminding people. Of the prophetic word don 't forget my friend that God wants to heal you don 't forget that God has spoken amazing things over you, God has spoken health, God has spoken a breakthrough, God has spoken promotion over you i 'm going to carry on stewarding this together with you until it comes to pass or until you feel a release from God to say i 've contended enough, and the personal responsibility is not being being received, but we 've got a responsibility to action, what it is that God has called us to. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowds. So they went up to the roof and took off some towels. They then loaded the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that, so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. I'm so grateful for that. It gives us songs to sing. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God exclaiming, "We have seen amazing things today." I was saying last week that sometimes God heals the body to get the heart, but often God heals the heart. To get you the, the body, and sometimes we come to mind and God do it our way, but God has a profound way of doing it His way, because Jesus is always healing something. Jesus is always doing something in your life. so if you think that nothing's happened, just press pause or phone me or phone a friend, take fifty fifty. And go, God, what is it that you do in my life at the moment? Because I guarantee you, God is doing something. Faith is not just about what they believed, but it's what they did with what they believed. I said last week, you can believe God wants to heal. You can believe God wants to give you a promotion. You can believe God wants to give you a job or something, but unless you apply for the job, unless you put your faith into your actions. You know, what has God got to, to work with? James 2, 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. These friends do not stay home believing God can do it. They're compelled to go do something. They're compelled to take their friends to Jesus. They, they're compelled to not just take their friends to Jesus, but to get their friends past all those that are just cluttering up the presence of God, to tear the roof down, to tear the tiles down, to kind of be destructive, to go out of their way, to go against the norm, to be a salmon fishing upstream, so they can position their friends at the feet of Jesus so that Jesus can do something. Too often we want Jesus to do something in our friends' lives or in our situations or situations or circumstances, but we're not willing to bring that situation, that friend, that whatever, to the feet of Jesus so that Jesus can do something. And Jesus can do anything, any which way he wants. But most of the time, it depends on our partnership with God to release something. Following Jesus leads to this type of movement, the type of faith that moves God. Following Jesus leads us to becoming the type of friends who will open doors and opportunities for people. Surely as Jesus followers, we open up doors, we provide opportunities, we provide hope, we provide encouragement, we provide healing, we provide breakthrough. We provide something of the kingdom of We provide light and salt to the world and to our community. Friends, faith creates doors where there seems to be no doors. Your situation seems hopeless, but Jesus. Your your situation appears dire, but Jesus. Faith opens doors when there are no doors. But sometimes I think we are just too polite to tear down a roof. We're too polite to knock on a door. We're too polite to action something. We're too polite to offend somebody and say, Get out of your stupor and come to church and come to Jesus and let's actually do something with and for you so that you can get out of where you are. We don't want to bother Jesus. He's just so busy in Iraq at the moment. Ukraine, Iraq. He's so busy. Jesus is so busy in Ukraine at the moment. He doesn't have time for this. You know, oh, well, 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 Jesus is, is, is overly busy at the moment. So we can't pressurize him because you're sick or you have an issue. We don't want to bother Jesus. We, don't, we want to be polite Christians. Don't worry, my brother. God's got under control. And then a week later, God's still got it under control. And then I'm thinking, well, what type of control does God have it under? I'm not seeing any breakthrough. I'm not seeing anything. I think the reality is sometimes people want to see that you believe what, you, what, what the Bible says. You know, we get so many Christians, maybe with a small c, that say God heals, God wants to pray for you, God wants this in your life, God wants you to be whatever. And people look around and go, that, that might be true, but I don't see it. And I don't know whether you actually believe it. Because I don't don't see it in your life. I don't see that you are powerfully, wonderfully awesome mate. I just see you as a depressed wreck. You know, and if you're a depressed wreck, you know, I don't want the Jesus that gave you everything. Because what you've got, I don't want. Most people don't worry about the, the the end result of healing. They just want to know that you believe that God can heal, that God can make a difference. Humility heals, but pride keeps us sick. Pride will keep us in chains and bondage. And the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation into a radical lifestyle. And following Jesus is ra- i am just so grateful I don't have to eat locusts. You know, I think I'd become vegan. You know, I'm so glad I don't have to dress in sacks and yuck and eat locusts and you know—I don't, I don't even want to fish fry. You know, but but You know, following Jesus is a call to be radical, but it's not a radical just for you to look weird. It's a radical on behalf of people. You are called to something amazing on behalf of people, on behalf of those that you gather around. By His stripes, you are healed. And people don't live in halfness. And I think, I'm sorry, a bit high-pitched. I, th- <clears throat> I think... Da, 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 da. I think that there are so many times where we live in the halfness. And we as believers and as Jesus followers, we should live in the wholeness. I want the wholeness of everything. And in living in wholeness, we need to become the type of people that are willing to break things. You know, we're willing to, to tear the tiles down. We're willing to carry people. We're willing to go where no Polite, woe is me, arbitrary, woke believer will go up the stairs, through the roof, and into the presence of God. This is a belief that should make church look somewhat crazy. Church shouldn't be boring, church should be full of wackiness and wonder and chaos. You know, when we leave church, the chairs should never be in straight lines because there was a commotion, or something happening with people flapping like fish or kicking like something or flying or levitating or, or praising or jumping around or whatever. Church should be chaos in the presence of God. You know, I have holy hiccups. If you, put your plug into, if you put your finger into a plug, you will have a reaction. If you put your body into the presence of God, into the Kubrick of heaven, there should be a reaction. Something happens. Church is not a polite, mundane, arbitrary place. This is the type of friends we should be, that carry people to Jesus, that tear things down, break things, do whatever it takes to get somebody into the the presence of God. This is the kind of dimension of faithful friendship that God calls us to in our community of word and worship. It's our unity in Holy Spirit. That should bring us together as one. Even as Father's Day, we we all celebrate that we have an earthly father. We've had an earthly father, good or bad. But the most important thing is we've got a heavenly father today. And what brings us together as one is that we have an earthly father. Our DNA has been changed and transformed into a new likeness. We look like him. We breathe like him. We talk like him. We are friends like him. In that divine unity, we should be able to do the most amazing things together in him. But it's when we try to do the amazing things in church, or the amazing things in Christianity, or the amazing things in me, or you, or us, that we fall flabbergastly flat. It's in, that was impressive, hey. Yeah, it was, it was just in, I impressed myself with that one. I know, it's like, eesh. Friends, are we willing to become the Whatever it takes type of friends. I'll do whatever it takes to see you whole. I'll do whatever it takes to see you healed. I'll do whatever it takes to see you restored. I'll, see you, I'll do whatever it takes to see you come into the wholeness of who you are called and designed and purposed to be. As we go back on this last day, I'm going, I want to be this type of friend. I want to be the roof-tearing type of rebellious friend. I'll probably get arrested, and probably half of you will go to jail, but, you know, we have precedent for that. Ask Paul, you know. Um, but here's the reality. You know, some days I am the zealot friend, willing to get up early to have a game of squash and a coffee and encourage, or, or having a late night and receiving phone calls when it's awkward or, or inconvenient. Sometimes I am that type of friend. I, I think that's... Kind of okay. But the reality is, some days I get to, to be the friend, but some days we need the friend. It's all right to be the four guys who are carrying the paralyzed man on the mat, but sometimes the reality is we are on the mat and we need friends to carry us. It takes great courage to be a friend, but especially in our day and age, it takes greater courage to be on the mat, to need a friend. It's one type of thing to carry people. It's quite another to be carried and allow people to carry you. And some of us are great at carrying people The bravado and the strength and I've got it all together. But it's awfully difficult to let friends carry us. And friends, we cannot come into wholeness and healing. We cannot come into the fullness of who we are if at some points of our journey we aren't willing to say, I need a friend. I'm on the mat. I need to be carried. To allow people to, to carry you. That's family. We can't all be the carriers because sometimes we are those who are on the mat, who are being carried. And I carry often, but I know the mat well. And for me, most of my Christian, especially church leadership journey, The mat was a no-go area. You could not show sign of weakness or dependency. You had 30 seconds to get over it, get healed, sort it out, become strong, become courageous. Being on the mat was a sign of weakness, of, of immaturity, of failure in your faith. But friends, most of our healing begins when we admit that we are on the mat. When you recognize that you're on the mat. Your healing and transformation truly starts. I've got something on my um, stand there, and for a while I've been thinking I've got prestick stick on my stand, but now I realize that someone's put chewing gum here, and it's just like, and so it's just like, <laughs> there we go. I think it is. Maybe it was prestick, but like <sighs> I think it's cinnamon, Do you wanna agree? <laughs> Spearmint. <laughs> <laughs> you can test it afterwards. But at, le- at least I'm not distracted now, but everybody else is. Where was I? When we admit that we're on a mat, there's something powerful in saying, I'm on the mat. I need help. I need friends. I need support. I need someone. I need, I need the Aaron Hurts to hold up my arms, but I'm feeling weak and I can't do it on my own. Friend, sickness is not that God has abandoned you, it's that your body and your soul are out of alignment. And It's more than just a physical thing. Often sickness is emotional. It's, it's, sometimes we just carry this sickness in our, in our gut and we just feel like there's something out of alignment here. There's, there's a relational disconnect. And I can't do this on my own. I need someone to help. I need perspective. I need support. I need strength. I need something. Sometimes, to be, to be fair, it's just someone to t- take it out for a beer and you can just like vomit all your mess all over them. It's on your, I mean like lingo. I mean like, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can just offload your frustrations. Yes, um, off. It's on the mat where you recognize the difference between crowd and kingdom. It's on the mat when you realize there's a difference between being an orphan and being part of a family. It's on the mat when you realize there's a difference between the me and the we. One of my personal disappointments is in seasons where I've been on the mat, I've wanted the crowd to be my friends. When I'm going through a hard time, a vulnerable time, a difficult time, I just want everyone to like me and be my friends. And the reality is that the crowds will never be your friends. And if you want everyone to like us, To support us, we're not really on the mat to get whole and healed. Friends and family count, but the crowds corrupt. The crowds corrupt our thinking or our perspective or our view. If you're so focused on the crowds and everybody out there, trying to get perspective, trying to get healing, trying to get wholeness, from everybody out there, we miss the point. It's in a kingdom, family, and friendships that there is healing and restoration. Friends, when you learn to be on the mat with friends, you no longer need the crowd. If I'm on the mat and my friends are carrying me and putting me at the foot of Jesus, be it in prayer or in support or in passion or in action or in meals or in a, a pat on the back sometimes, when my friends are carrying me, I don't need to worry about what the crowd are saying. I don't care about what's happening, what's being said out there. Because God frees us from the crowds when we're on the mat and being held and made whole and healed. Jesus laid down His life that we can be strong. Paul says it like this, His grace is sufficient for me. Not the crowds, not the people. It's Jesus' strength in our, wit- it's strength and our weakness that trumps the desire to be part of the crowd. Healing often comes in a submission to knowing that we need friends to carry us because God always works through relationship. Friends, it's on the mat that we realize our self-worth. It's on the mat that we realize that our self-worth is not measured by the approval of man and others. But when we're looking for the approval of people, we will continually be in the crowd and not placed at the foot of Jesus by friends. On the mat, in the seasons where we have nothing to give, we are reminded of how profoundly God loves us. On the mat, things become real. And our worth is not connected to what we can offer to others. It's not connected on what we can accomplish. It is never being connected to anything but what God says And believes about you. In the crowd, it becomes about what other people think and believe about you. On the mat, it becomes about what God says and believes about you. And as I carry on in the season and the the, series for the next while, I believe that it's an important message if we're talking about healing and wholeness. Because it is on our mat that resistance often comes and keeps us from healing and wholeness. No. It's on our map that it keeps people from coming in to confuse us in our healing and wholeness process. It's a thing that's sometimes where we we are so we're so focus on not trying to fall apart. We're so focused in trying to have it all together. We're so focused on the pretense of what's out there that we're not willing to be vulnerable and be on our mat. Friends, friendship isn't about game night. Friendship is about pain night. It's more important to have the friends in your pain on pain night than it is to have friends in your life on game night. We don't just need to have friends in our lives. We need to have friends in our souls. It changes from the crowd to the mat. The more mature people in Christ are those that have spent time on the mat, where they've learned humility trumps pride and leads to healing and wholeness. There's a couple of people that I think we need in our lives. We need truth tellers, people who tell us like it is, in love. We need people who have the, the, the relational equity and the assets of being in the trenches together, of knowing one another, of doing life together, who can speak into our situation with love. Not people who think that they have a right to criticize you just because they are part of the community or part of your church or something. We feel that there's a legitimacy because we are all failing that they can come and speak the truth with a hook and a smack and a sense of rebellion. We need trust keepers. We need people who are like vault people. People who you can share with and they will take it and they will lock it up in a vault and they will seal it, never to be released again. People that you can trust. We need tank fillers. People who remind us how awesome and amazing we are. People who encourage us, when we need encouragement. People who love us when we're on the mat. People who will get onto the mat with us. Are we the type of friends who are willing to get onto the mat with somebody else? And are we the type of friends who will let somebody else get onto the mat with us? Let alone carry our mat. We need the tile terrors. The crazy, wild, audacious believers who will go out and do things and and make things happen. People who are done talking and now let's just action it and clap it. I'm so sick and tired of you being sick and tired. Let me grab you by the collar and just shake, rat and roll something of Holy Spirit into you. People who will give you a kick up the butt and say, Enough is enough. Let's believe God for this. I'm sick and tired of you staying in your stupor. We need something more. Let's carry you into holiness and do something real. But the reality is, it's our responsibility to create the type of friends that we have around us. Who are the people speaking into and carrying you, and who are you carrying on their mat? It's your responsibility to, com- to, to create the community, to create the atmosphere and the culture around us that this becomes a safe place to carry and to be carried. That's why we have life groups. So we can do life together so that if there are times when you're carrying, sometimes when others are carrying you. But life groups are where we start to recognize as some, you know, who's the vault keeper this week, and who's the, who, who's the, the encourager this week, and who's the carrier this week, and who's been carried this week, so we can actually do the things of kingdom together so that we all, you know, I was thinking to you in the course of the past couple of weeks, we, we, we pay the, Guys, I'm so grateful for them to come and set out all of our stuff on a Sunday morning and pack it away. And I'm thinking, well, maybe we should just pay them more, and then they can wash up the dishes afterwards and wash up the cups and things like that. The reality is finances are tight. We can't do that. But the reality is we're not washing dishes to make dishes clean. That's just a byproduct in my mind. We're creating an opportunity for you to have to stand within two meters of one another and do something together so you can say, how is your week? What did you think of this morning? Wasn't still a little bit whack this morning? You know, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. You know, what did you think of it? Well, I'm not too sure. Let's get together on Tuesday and have a look at it. What's happening in your week this week? I've got a huge job interview this week. Oh, what day is it? Two o'clock. I'm going to put on my phone so I remember to phone you at two o'clock or pray for you at two o'clock on Tuesday or Wednesday for your job interview. What's happened this week? That's why we have tea and coffee washing up and putting things together. So you get to know one another. You get to do something. Wash up and serving is a discipline for discipleship. I love the opportunity. Like I, I, I arrive here most Sundays, if I can, early enough to help set up the sound cables and things like that. But I get to know people more in that half an hour than I do the half an hour after coffee. Because for me, coffee is just chaos afterwards. But beforehand, it's just less chaos somehow. You know, the reality is too often people come into places like real life church, and they hear language like family and community and, you know, serving and doing things and loving one another and praying for one another. But for some reason, they expect church to build friendships for them. I hear family students, so who's my family? Now, what are you going to do about it? I do everything I can to create the space for connection, be it home groups or life groups or serving teams or doing things or hosting teams or, or just getting together and having brides and soup evenings or, or something. I do everything I do to create connection, but the reality is you have to create connection yourself. Connections and connectivity is what you do. I'm here to equip you to make you whole and heal and free. But it's your responsibility to take ownership. Because sometimes you'll be the carriers and sometimes you'll be on the mat. Friends, sometimes you'll come into seasons of sickness, of feeling frustrated and overwhelmed, of feeling lonely and annoyed, exhausted and battle-weary. And that's when people are and go, my goodness, this is so unfriendly. This church is so uncaring. I've been sick and nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat some worms. Big ones, fat ones, small ones, skinny ones. Worms that and squirm. I don't know whether you said that when you were young. Oh, fantastic. Y- Yvonne and I, yeah. But the reality is, I can do everything I can to create family and then you can leave because there's no family just because you haven't taken uh, ownership of it. But we take ownership when we carry a mat and when we are on a mat. So don't blame the church when you haven't built covenant connections in your life, where you're not carried or where you're not feeling that someone is carrying you. When last did you say to someone, I need your courage in my life? I need your joy in my life. I need your hope in my life. Friends, if you want to, if you want people to entrust you, you need to start to give them the best of you. Who are you giving your best to? Be a good friend and you'll have great friends. Some days I'm on the mat Some days most of us are on the mat. But here's the reality is sometimes we are just on the mat for far too long. Sometimes we become, we've been on our mat far too long that we start to create a tent on our mat. Then we start to move the furniture in to our tent. Then we're on the mat so long that we need to move our, extend our tent and build a house Then we want to build something more. Then we want to, it's winter, we want to log fire on our house on our mat. And our mat becomes our identity. We start to camp on our mat. We build on our mat. We find comfort in our mat. We we find home in our mat. We find everything on our mat. And sometimes we just need a friend to say, get off your mat. For heaven's sake, let's flip the mat off and you must stop making your mat your identity. You got onto the mat because you were unwell. You got into the mat on a moment of fear. You got onto your mat on a moment of pain. You got onto your mat on a moment of suffering. You got onto your mat on a moment of, of loneliness. But now get off your mat. Let's flip the mats and get people off the mats because we can't live on the mat. Somebody came in on their mat, got into the presence of God, and when you're in the presence of God, you don't need a mat anymore. And if you do, it's temporary. It's a moment on a mat, not camping on a mat. Where am I going to find you? Oh, I'm on my mat. I'm on my mat of despair. I'm on my mat of overwhelming. I'm on my mat of this. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm on my mat of loneliness. Stop put a tent there. And sometimes we need people who can say, actually, dude, do that. You've been living on your mat too long. Get off your mat. When we start to have our identity, we start to live in the discouragement. We start to live in the fear. We start to live in the brokenness. We start to be identified by the anxiety or by the something, whatever it is. And we need friends who will flip our mats for us. We cannot be a good friend if we have become a victim. If you're living on the mat of despair, you cannot be a cheerful friend. If you're living on the mat of brokenness, you cannot be an example to your community and to others. If you're living on the mat of woe is me, you cannot be someone powerful to somebody else. You cannot be anything that you are on the mat for because all your identity is on that mat. So let's help one another get off our mats. Let's have friends who will help us get off our mats. Because our situation and our circumstances don't define us. We need to be a group of friends who contribute to others, who contribute to getting other people off their their mats. Truth tellers who, in maturity and in love and in wisdom and above all in relationship, can help people get off their mats. By carrying them to Jesus, you don't just flip somebody off their mat. You fit them off the mat at the foot of Jesus so they can become healed and hold. I would suggest that too many people remain paralyzed because they have become so accustomed to living on their mat that even in the presence of Jesus, they would ignore what Jesus said and live on their mat because Jesus said, Get off your mat. Pick it up and go home. And when our identity is so wound up in that, our response can be but Jesus, you don't know I'm paralyzed. Jesus didn't speak into what he was on the mat for. Jesus didn't address him being paralyzed. Jesus doesn't necessarily address your fear, your phobias, your pain, your suffering, your loneliness. He reminds you of what he's done. He reminds you of what you are in him, and says, "I have a different solution to this. Come into me and find wholeness, and in your wholeness, you find healing. And when you're healed, you get out of here and walk." Friends, this morning, let's be a group of friends and people. And for some of us, it is by saying, "I'm on my my mat." Sometimes we just need to be honest and say, at the moment, my life sucks. At the moment, I'm frustrated. At the moment, I'm miffed. At the moment, I'm depressed. At the moment, I'm anxious. At the moment, I'm annoyed. At the moment, I am feeling hopeless. At the moment, I am whatever. It's just the reality of sometimes where we are. But then we need to say, actually, I don't want to live here. Won't you help carry me? We're going to pray for folk in a moment, but again, like we said last week, if you pray for somebody, commit to praying for them not just for 30 seconds on a Sunday morning, but take ownership in that and say, I'm going to pray for this for seven days. I'm not saying like for a lifetime or for a month or whatever, for seven days. Because we're putting in a spiritual discipline to be able to do something. And some of us need to say, I know people who are on a mat. This morning, I'm going to make a decision to become the tile-tearing type of friend who's going to carry them to their mat, to to the foot of the cross. So if either of those situations or you, because we're going to be praying for people every Sunday for for the foreseeable future. If you're on your mat... And you want someone to get onto your mat with you, encourage you, love you, and take you to healing. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. If you have people that you're carrying, and you need more people to carry your friend with you, also come to the front. This morning I'm praying for a friend of mine, Kevin, who's feeling hopeless because his mom is tremendously unwell. And so I'm saying, I am carrying you. I want to be your towel-tearing-down person. When you can't do it, I will do it. And in, in the spirit, I'm going to take you and your family to the foot of the cross for healing and wholeness, be that physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. We're going to do that. And if you need healing, physical healing this morning, JP needs physical healing for his knees. Um, his knee this morning. One or two? One. See, we've really done 50% of the job. Oh, so, so JP needs physical healing for, for his knee this morning. We'll carry on praying for Rebecca because she needs physical healing for her foot this morning. Daisy, who works for us, has got a, a lump in her breast that she's had but options on. So we get, I'll, I'll ask Ali to stand proxy for Daisy that we have, um, that we carry her. And if there's anyone else who's carrying a, a friend on a mat, we want to pray for with you together. So if any of that is you, won't you come to the front? Thank you for listening.